If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Richard and I am the senior pastor here. I call myself senior because I'm old and uh, because I'm the one who uh, has the privilege of leading um, or presenting God's word to us. And, uh, and I'm not just speaking, you know, what's come out of the top of my head. Um, I want you to know that I've, um, you know, prayed, meditated, worked on uh, the words that I'm going to be speaking and I pray and hope that they are actually God's words, that somewhere in there you'll hear God speaking to you. And so let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we have this wonderful opportunity now. We have just minutes to uh, focus upon your word, to hear uh, what your word has to say. And Lord, we pray that you'll give us hungry hearts, uh, able to hear and receive what you have to teach us. Lord, please teach us and help us. Lord, we know that it's a challenging word and we pray, Lord, that you'll just open our hearts to receive it so that we may be transformed and changed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, this morning, uh, you know, it's the uh, the fourth uh, Advent we're talking about. We're getting ready for Christmas. And uh, we've been going through uh, 1 Thessalonians, looking at uh, what does it mean to become a, or be a Christian? Like, what is a Christian? And so we've been looking so much about what it means and how it works. And what we've learned is that uh, being a Christian has to go from the inside out. It can't go from the outside in. And uh, And so when we reflect on Christmas and the gospel Christmas message, we say, how can we convert? How can people be converted? How can people receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? How can they look through all the paraphernalia and see a Savior, who is God, come for them to rescue them? How can they see that? And we learn that it's the only way for it to happen is from the inside out. You can't do it by violence or by coercion, can you? If you want to make people a Christian, you can't tell them to become one. You can't force it upon them. You can't point a gun at them and say, believe in Jesus or I'll kill you. That doesn't sort of work. You know, that's not like the gospel message. And yet all over the world, people are trying that, aren't they, with different religions. They're saying, believe this message or we'll kill you. Toe the line or you'll be out. You know, I mean, communism was a thing like that, wasn't it? Like communism was taught by to everyone and they said, you must believe this and you must recite this. And everyone recited it. Everyone memorized it, but they didn't have it within. And so it didn't work. It failed. And so we learn that you must work from the inside out. The gospel has to change the inside. So then uh, we serve and love because the gospel has come to us that way. Um, I think the, you know, the, uh, the, have you heard the story about uh, the dinner table? You know, little Johnny was at the table and uh, he started uh, drumming, you know, with the uh, fork and spoon on the table. You know, and, and, you know, the family's trying to have a peaceful dinner and he's beating away at the table. And they, you know, dad says, Johnny, stop doing that. That's so annoying. And he keeps going. They, Johnny, stop doing that. It is very annoying. And then he said, okay, I'll stop, but I'm going to do it on the inside. So he's on the inside tapping his toes. Because he hadn't, you know, he wanted to do it, but he hadn't changed from the inside. And so we have to say, for us, we became Christians, or we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the work that came from within. So how then can we change people so that they can receive it from the inside? And that's, that's the question we're going to ask or answer, I hope, this morning. How can we help people be transformed from the inside out? And you know, people can say, well, we don't believe in Christianity anymore because it's just rubbish, it's a fairy story, it's just a Christmas story that we see every year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a stupid story. It's something that people believed in the past. 
when they were, you know, not as civilized as we are today, not as wise or enlightened as we are today. Well, we can learn today that the people that Paul was speaking to in Thessalonica was just as cynical as we are in our community today. People uh, didn't believe it. It was uh, incredible. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, if it's not a miracle of God, how these people became Christian or believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we learned that when Paul was preaching the gospel, he was saying that it's actually offensive and nobody believed it. He said to the Corinthians, he said, um, Jews demand miracles and miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. So see that though, they, they, we want miracles, we want wisdom, but we just preach Christ crucified. And then what does he say about it? A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So you see, there's a difference, isn't there? So he's, he comes to a community and he tells them about Christ crucified. The God of the universe coming to earth as a baby, living a life on earth, pointing the way, dying upon a cross and rising again, and people go, where's the wisdom in that? Or where's the miraculous in that? That's, that's absolute rubbish. Nobody believed it. And yet, a group of people believed it. They received it on the inside, it transformed and changed them, and, and they live it out no matter what the cost. Now, do you see how miraculous that is? How amazing that is? What can we learn about that? How can we be a people to transform people from the inside out? We've got uh, family, we've got friends, workmates, people all around us that think it's absolute rubbish. And yet we know that if God were to work in them through us, they can receive it from the inside. So how do we do that? Why isn't it going so well right now? What can we do? Well, I think we need to look at um, this uh, text that we have this morning so we can learn and and apply it so that we'll know. So we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 to chapter 3, verse 5. And it says, But, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy or our crown, in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to uh, to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that um, we would be persecuted. And it has turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason... When I could stand it no longer, I sent to find about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. Okay, so we have to answer the question, how do we change the people around us from the inside out? What did Paul do or how did God use Paul? 
And so the first thing we see here is, you see that Paul had them in his heart. Paul had them in his heart. Now this is very important. You see it says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, it says in person, not in thought, but the, the word there is in heart. See, we were, we were torn from you. You know, when we were separated, it means, you know, we were bereaved, we were bereft, we were, we were just dragged from you. It, the word is so strong and so powerful. It's like, it's like saying, I lost my child. It's that, that drastic. He said, you know, we were ripped from you, we were separated from you for a short time in person, but not in heart. They were in his heart. And he says, out of intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Intense longing. I mean, you'd say, calm down, Paul. <laughs> the word intense longing, do you know what that means? It's the epithumia, which is, um, you know, it's lust. In the Bible it says, you know, don't lust after other women and don't, you know, lust is a terrible thing. But Paul says, we lust after you. We, we love you that much. You are that much within our heart that our heart is connected to your heart. And if you're being persecuted, we're feeling the pain. If you're feeling a pain, we feel it too. You know, our hearts are joined. We're one. We're unified. We're one body. When you suffer, we suffer. And when we suffer, you suffer. We love you that much. Pretty drastic, do you think? Is that like pretty crazy? Fancy that. How ridiculous is that? But that's what Paul did. He loved them with a desperate love. They knew he loved them with a desperate love. And what about, it says he, we, we could stand it no longer, it says in verse 1 of chapter 3. So we thought we'd uh, best to, to be left by ourselves in Athens. So they said, well, we're prepared to send Timothy and the rest of the gang away to go to you so that we can see and make sure that you're okay. We're prepared to be left alone so that then they can go and check on you guys. They were prepared to sacrifice whatever it was for the people they loved, the people they had you know, that were, they had within their own hearts. And so the question that we have to ask, and the question I've been asking is, do I have people in my heart that I want to see in the presence of Jesus at the end of time? Do I care that much for the people that I would like to see converted? Do I really care that much? And I don't know, I have a look there and you think, wow, wow, you know, I need to love people more. But the trouble is we don't. We live our lives and we protect ourselves. You know, I was thinking, have you seen a bulletproof vest? You put that, you know, around here when, when there's a shooting. So if you get shot, you know, your heart won't be affected, you know, a bulletproof vest. I'm thinking, I think I've got one of those. I've got this Teflon around my heart so that it won't be hurt again. You know? And so when you have that, you see, then you can't let people into your heart. You say, I'm going to protect myself because they're going to be here today, gone tomorrow, they're going to hurt me, they're not going to listen to me, they're, you know, that sort of thing. And you can say, well, I'm going to start protecting my heart. I'm not going to let people in, you see. And if that's true then, then how can you demonstrate the gospel to people who you don't really love? Isn't that what we learn from Paul? Paul is saying, you know, we were, we were desperate. We were so desperate for you. We cared so much for you. He had given his heart to them. And so 
he was so concerned that they were turning away from the Lord or being indifferent to the gospel. And so he said, you know, we were desperate for you. And they were converted. And they loved Paul and they listened to Paul because he gave his heart to them. So, you know, I think that's such a challenge for us, isn't it? You know, I, I came out of college and uh, and I got my first church and I was in my first church ready to preach the best sermons in the world. I was going to change the whole world. I mean, they'd had you know plenty of preachers before that were okay, you know, but I arrived and I was going to preach the best sermons in the world and I was going to work really hard and I was going to do all sorts of things. And, and I did. I worked too hard, I think. But uh, anyway, what happened though was uh, I read this book that was saying um, how important it is to love the people of your church. And it was particularly for ministers though, that it was like, you know, they're saying they don't care if you can have the best sermons in the world. They don't care if you uh, work yourself to the bone doing all this stuff. All they're asking is, does he love you? That blew me away. I, does he love me? They what? Excuse me. I'm going to preach the best sermons. I'm going to work really hard. What about, I don't love them. <laughs> I'm going to preach to them. You know, I'm going to do the minister thing. And in the end you go, that is so true, isn't it? Isn't it? You won't listen to a word I say you don't think I love you. If you think I'm here to say I'm trying to create my own, um, uh, my ego, I want to build my own ego up. Okay, So I want to have this church full, so I look good. So I want you to get other people, to bring them to church, to sit on these pews and then say how good I am because I want want you to say how good I am. So do that, okay? Would that motivate you to bring your friends and neighbours? No way. We're not going to build Richard's ego. He's not that good. You know, it doesn't matter how good I am or what I say or how busy I am or how effective I am. It's about, does he love me? And that's exactly what Paul was doing. He was saying, I love you. And they go, yes, he does. And so they received the gospel message from him because they could see that that's not normal. He loves us with a complete love. He loves us so much that, that he's prepared to give his heart to us. And so do we have people in our heart who we love and give our hearts to without protecting ourselves so that we can be transparent and vulnerable so that we can show them the gospel? Do we have that? Do you have that? Do you have people right now that you can say, yes, I have given them my heart? Well, I'm guessing that perhaps we haven't as we ought. And Paul says here that we need to do that because it doesn't matter how helpful you are, how effective you are, if you don't really love them, they're not going to listen to you. You know, there are people around who, um, have you seen this, in, I don't know whether you've seen this in churches, but it happens. Like somebody has a, a problem, they lose a loved one, their husband dies, and the church says, oh, this is terrible. They write cards and they deliver food, but they will not sit with that person. They won't even talk to the person. Have you noticed that? It happens all the time. It breaks my heart when you when you say you should be with that person, and the person says, "Well, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to go and spend time with them, but I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to say. In other words, I'll feel too awkward, so I won't bother, and they'll be left alone in their anguish and pain, saying nobody cares. Isn't isn't that a dreadful thing? That's and yet that's what we do. And we say, look, if you love them, 
you'll go to them and say, I don't know what to say. I am sorry, but I will sit here and grieve with you. Then they say, oh, there's somebody who loves me. You know, we've seen people who have gone through all sorts of pain and they've stayed away from church because they don't want to be judged, criticised or, you know, pour this pathetic, you know, words on like, oh, you know, God knows what he's doing. He'll turn this for your good. You'll be okay. Trust in God like I do. You know, nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear, oh, this is awful. I, I, I care. For, it breaks my heart to see your heart broken. If you say that, then they'll go, oh, they love me. And that's what we need to do, you see. We need to say, you know, you are in my heart. I care so much for you that my happiness depends, you know, your happiness depends or infects and it affects my happiness. I'm grieved when you're grieving. I rejoice when you rejoice. You're that close to me. That's what it is. So what do you think? I mean, this is what Paul says. This is what Paul's doing. But the thing that about Paul's uh, giving his heart away is that he actually, he loves them so much that he's prepared to tell them the truth. Okay? I have you in my heart. I love you with a love that is so connected and so transparent, but I'm prepared to tell you the truth. Now, this is something that we need to learn. Because what we do, see, is we show our love for people, and it's really more about us than it is about them. So we can say, okay, right, right, I'm going to, I'm going to give my heart to that person. I'm going to really show that I love them, but I'm going to be so uh, connected to them emotionally that I won't. I won't be able to tell them the truth. Have you noticed that? Have you done that? Have you seen that? And so they're too. Uh, you know, they they they're scared of um, insulting them, so they won't tell them the truth. And so suddenly, my self worth is based on what people think of me. Therefore, I give my heart to them, and I'm very nice to them, and I'm worried that they won't like me. And so therefore I, I, I won't tell them the truth. Have you done that? I've done that. I mean, you know, when you're a people pleaser, what happens? You please people and you're too scared to tell them the truth because you're too worried that they won't like you. And so who's it about? It's about you or me. It's about myself instead. So you have them in your heart, but you don't have them in your heart so that you can have this loving connection and so you can build your self-value. No, you actually love them knowing that your value is in God and that you can love them so much that you can tell them the truth. Tell them the truth in love is the, you know, the secret for people receiving the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The true gospel. It's not coercion. It's not like saying, oh, please believe in Jesus and come to church. It's not you must believe in Jesus. And come to church. It's actually, no, come to Jesus because you need Jesus like I do. It's, it's that sharing of love, isn't it? Paul shows that and demonstrates that so well. He's not a people pleaser. And what does he do? It says there, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker uh, in God's service of spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. And so Paul says, Say, I love you so much. I want you to be strengthened and encouraged in your faith in the face of persecution. And so it says there that he went over and over again. He wanted to go, but Satan somehow, I'm not sure, uh, prevented him from going. And so can you imagine how it worked? He would have said, right, I'm going to go and see my brothers. I love them so much. I'm so concerned for them. So let's go. And so, you know, I don't know, 
go the back way and then suddenly get all this opposition and then they have to leave again. Or he might go the other way, get all this opposition. There, there might be people, you know, looking for him and as soon as they see Paul, they go, right, there he is, you know, run him out of town as quickly as possible. And so he kept on being, you know, prevented from going in by Satan's work through his people. And so he said, right, that's it. We're going to send Timothy in. And, uh, you know, we might lose Timothy. He might lose his life. But it's a risk that we're all willing to take. And so they sent him in. So, but he was there to tell the truth, right? How can you strengthen and encourage brothers and sisters uh, to face persecution unless you tell them the truth? See? Tell them the truth. That's what we need to do. Because we don't want to tell the truth because we're worried about what's going to happen. So you imagine, okay. So Paul says, I love you people. You know, I love you so much. You know, I want you to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and um, your life will be great. You'll have a wonderful life. You'll be blessed. You know, everything will go really well. Your business will go well. You know, your family will go well. Your health will be well. Everything will be well. Everyone will love you. It'll be awesome. You know, that that's what somebody does when they just want to have, you know, people following them, isn't it? Like when you're not prepared to tell the truth, then you just say life will be great. And there are so many churches preaching that sort of message, aren't there? There's so many churches that are preaching messages about, oh, believe in Jesus and he'll be your friend and your life will go well and you'll be blessed and everything will be awesome. And as soon as something goes wrong, what happens? They go, I haven't got enough faith or God doesn't really um, you know, love me or you know, this person is telling me rubbish. <laughs> you, know, that's, you know, you see how it works? If you love them and have them within your heart, then you'll know exactly what they need to hear to prepare them to grow to maturity in Christ and then you'll do it. You'll say what's needed. You'll encourage them with what's needed. You'll tell them what they need to have. Paul, in um, you know, down the track, and we'll see this in a few weeks' time, in verse 10 of chapter 3 says, um, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. That's great. So I'm going to come to your dinner, I'm um, dinner at your place, and I'm going to tell you what you're lacking. <laughs> yeah, come to dinner, that'll be great. Yeah, Paul's coming. It'll be awesome. Oh, great. He's going to tell me what's wrong with me. Oh, I can't believe it. But that's what Paul does. And they go, come to our place, have dinner with us because we want to hear what you have to say to us because you care so much that we'll listen and do whatever you say. Now, wow, if I had somebody in my life like that, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be a better Christian or something. I'd be more effective in my life. If I had somebody that could say, you know, one thing you lack, <laughs> you know, work on this area of your life and you will grow. What about you? Would you like that? Not to be put down, but to have a word from God that comes from God's word and spirit to tell you exactly what you need to hear so that you can grow to become more like Jesus. Oh, my word. I mean, if we could do that with each other, we'd be the most powerful church in the world. If we did that to each other and to our community, we would be the most, uh, the brightest light and the saltiest salt anyone has ever noticed. They say, they really love me. They really love me so much that they're prepared to give their heart to me and then tell me the truth so that then they, are, we, will grow like they are growing. I mean, that is Christ-like, isn't it? Because Jesus did exactly the same thing. 
Jesus gave his heart and his soul and his life for the people that were that he came for. They believed him and received him and accepted everything that he had to say. And he said the most harshest things, and yet those who believed in him received him as their Lord and Saviour, and they're, they're going to be with us in glory. You know, this is what we need. And so how do you change people from the inside out? Well, you first have to put them in your own heart, love them, get to know them. Then you have to tell them what they need to hear so that they can grow to become like, like Jesus. And then you will grow together. And then they will have people in their hearts as well. And so the question is, who have you got in your heart? Who have you let in? Who have you let in? I mean, easy. Oh, I mean, I mean, my wife, husband, children, they're all in there, you know. But what about others? What about those family members that don't know Jesus? What about your next door neighbours or people you work with? Do you just, can you just love them? Put them in your heart and demonstrate how much you love them and then tell them the truth. Can you do that? Because that's the challenge. That's how it works. You know, Jesus said this is how you do it. You know, he, he didn't say, he didn't come to earth and say, now this are the rules and regulations for this new religion that I'm starting. <laughs> do your best. I'll see you at the end of time. Good luck. He didn't do that. He gave himself. <laughs> He's present with us always. And so we're called to do the same. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I think, hopefully you've got that sort of message. But then how do we do it? Say, great, Richard. That sounds good. I'm really feeling guilty and terrible now. How do I do it? Well, what we do is we focus on the crown. Focus on the crown. Did you hear what Paul said? I've quoted it. Focus on the crown. He says, for what is our hope, our joy, or our crown, or the crown in which we glory, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. What, what is the crown? Focus on the crown. And I want you to see this. The people that you uh, that God lays upon your heart, that, that you let into your heart, that you love with a perfect love, when you look at them, you see them with a crown on their head, standing with you in the presence of Jesus at the end of time. This is what Paul said. You are our hope. You are our joy. You are our crown. When we are standing in the presence of Jesus, you'll be with me. And when you are with me, then glory will come. <laughs> we'll be glorifying together and together we'll be saying, Oh, Lord, you used me to bring these people into your presence. Thank you so much. This is a crown. This is glory. This is what you've done. Oh. You know, because for us, you know, the only thing that we can bring to heaven are other people. And imagine if you have a thousand people standing around you and God used you to bring a thousand people into glory. How would you feel? You wouldn't be sitting there going, oh, I wish I worked harder. I wish I earned more money. I wish I got a better boat. I wish I got that promotion. You'd be saying, thank you, Lord. These people are my hope, my joy, my glory, and my crown. So when you see people that you, God lays upon your heart, look at them and say, I want to see you with a crown on your head, standing next to me, giving glory to Jesus. Imagine if you said to them, I see a vision for you. I see you standing with me in the presence of Jesus at the end of time, giving glory to God. I see that and I want that for you. And I'm going to focus and, and pray and work so that you will join me at that time. 
Imagine if you did that for people you love. Imagine if you do that in a way that is effective. Because you see, we are the crown, we are the jewels of God. God loves us. God sent Jesus to die for us. He sent us to to know his love and then to love others with that love. If we block that love by not giving our hearts and not speaking the truth, then the message stops with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you and adore you. Lord, we love you. We give you our very selves because of all that you've done. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful testimony of Paul. Lord, we thank you for how Christ-like he was. We thank you for how he demonstrated who you are and how he was obedient to the vision that you gave him. Lord, we thank you for how he loved and how he spoke the truth. Lord, we acknowledge before you that we are cowardly and we're lazy and we're fearful and we're concerned and we feel inadequate. But Lord, help us to see and hear the truth. That in you we have all that we need and that through you everything can be done. And so Lord, please help us to empty ourselves of ourselves. Fill us with love for those you have given us and help us to stand in glory, rejoicing at who you have given us to join with in bringing you glory. And so, Lord, please bless us as a church. Help us to be powerful and effective at this so that, Lord, we may demonstrate to the world what it means to receive the gospel, to have it change us from the inside out and then to live it out in our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.